oh man, I am fully my Asian mother now. <laughs> God. I feel like it's been a while, so there's a lot to catch up on. I know a lot. You know, I feel like our lives right now are such that if a month goes by, a lot has happened in that month. Yes. It's not always been that way. Like in high school, a month goes by and you're still in high school. Like nothing has changed in your life. Like nothing's going on really. But I find that lately a month really means a lot of stuff has happened. Yeah, but I also think that this is somewhat unique to the circumstances that you are in where you I feel like you have done like 5 years worth of life in the last year. Like we all have a year like that. Yeah. And this is this is yours. I see. So you think this is a unique thing to me right now. I think so. You like okay. got married and moved and you like bought your first place and are doing some other huge things like all in the span of a year. And that year for me was like 2018, but like 2022, 23 was that year for mm-hmm. you. So, yes. Yeah. And in, very intentionally, 2023, we've talked about 2023 being the year of travel. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Revenge so, travel. Have you been hearing revenge that? Revenge travel. Yes. Revenge against the pandemic. Yes. Okay. I don't think I framed it such in my head uh-huh. as revenge travel. I think it's much more in the vein of right now we don't have kids. Oh. We don't know what the future will hold. Yeah. So seize the day. Yes. This is the time. We never know if we're going to have that time again. Yeah. So do it. Now. You're doing last hurrah travel. Last hurrah travel. That, that also sounds negative, but. Carpe <laughs> <laughs> diem travel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just sort of like. It may not have, it, I don't think it's last hurrah. I think it's sort of like we have the ability to do it now. Yeah. So let's not put it off. Let's do it now. Yeah, that's good. I think yeah. that's very like carpe diem. Like we have the yes. opportunity and we're just going to seize it. I right. I think that's great. Right. Like one thing we talked about, my spouse and I, was uh, we both can work remotely. Mm. So let's take advantage of that. Let's yes. not go somewhere where like the time zones will be so different that it makes our work difficult. Yeah. So let's go south. Let's go explore Latin America. And it's not too disruptive time zone wise. It, it's like no different than being in New York, essentially. So let's, you know, do that thing where you throw a dart and you land on something. And we landed on Mexico City, mm. which is a hot, hot destination. Right it now. is hot right now. It is insta hot. Mm-hmm. Very of, that. Yes. Lots of Frida Kahlo, yes. blue walls. Mexico City is where 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 we just came back from. So we were there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were there for a week, and then we spent four days in Oaxaca. Uh huh. It was incredible. So we got to Mexico City, and like the the first thing we did as soon as we landed was have a a taco from a taco stand, mm-hmm. and it was divine. Right. Mm. Maybe if I came from LA, it would be like, oh, wow, this is a really good taco and like not like mind-numbingly awesome. Mm-hmm. But coming from New York where they're just – the taco game in New York is not good. You know, it's not strong. Mm-hmm. Coming from New York, landing, and then like just walking to a corner and having just the best taco ever Aww. was such a great like welcome to Mexico City, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we were staying in this area called Roma. Uh-huh. 
which is kind of like the, you know, the young people like going out, like very trendy, very hip, very loud, you know, very fun area. Um, that's where we're staying. And yeah, the entire experience there was great. But the friends there that we had were like, oh, like the food here is good, but wait till you get to Oaxaca. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, Oaxaca was like one of the most special places I've ever been. Mm. It is, It is just... I think the local culture there is just really celebratory towards its mole, towards its tortilla, towards its like uh, corn, its mezcal. It is it is just a really and then just going around, it's like the square is like vibrant. There's all this music and so much culture and color and just really amazing. So if anyone's listening and wants to go on a trip that, you know, maybe it's not on their hot list or whatever oaxaca is definitely taken for me like really really special so Mm. um yeah that so that was that was probably the highlight of the trip and then mexico city yeah what a dynamic fun place and it's 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 a little sad to see i mean i feel like i was contributing to it but so many americans have moved to mexico city have moved Um, to mexico city definitely during the pandemic i mean i was talking to locals about you know um what was going on there with the economy and everything and and there's definitely like like i mean it's cheaper but not that much cheaper and mm. it's because there's this whole second layer economy that arose that caters to all the americans that move there hmm. right mm-hmm. so the pricing of the better restaurants the nicer bars the nicer cafes with the better you know with like the kind of hipstery looks and all that mm-hmm. when you go in there it's all it's all like well-to-do Mexicans or Americans. Interesting. In these uh-huh. And, you know, these are vibrant businesses. They're all doing well, but they're all priced for American prices, I, th- I think. I'm yeah, not really yeah. sure, but I think they are. Um, so it was kind of like, you know, it makes it, it makes life comfortable, right? Like you, a lot of stuff that you see there is like really like stuff you recognize in the States and stuff. But um, yeah, definitely a little bit like, ah. Uh, you know, like I feel bad for the locals that have been mm. kind of priced out. So, but then, like, if it's a dual economy, then mm-hmm. isn't there also a sec? Like, these are not the places that the locals are going. Is that right? Like, there's I think a completely so. different scene where the locals are. Well, by locals, I mean, like I said, it, if you're like a well-to-do local, mm-hmm. like you're from Mexico City, but you you you're like you know solidly middle to upper class, then those places are are accessible and like frequented by Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. But then yes, there's definitely like when you go into like the more traditional markets and like those kinds of places, Mm -hmm. then of course you, you really feel the power of the dollar, like what Mm -hmm. you can get for, for that. And then the food you get is just, is just like outstanding, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so good. So we had a a good mix of both. Right. So we Mm -hmm. got to go to these places where we got a really, you know, cheap, like one, like 50 cent taco, $1 taco. And it's like, just awesome you know Mm -hmm. so delicious and then you you know you you kind of go to the places where the tacos are like fancier nicer you know also delicious but a whole different spin on it you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah it was it was a great great time and that's awesome yeah i feel like that travel bug has been reignited yeah well there i mean you were so over it just in time for the (laughs) pandemic and now it looks like you have you've charged up while you've been stationary you've been like on your charging dock and now you're ready to go that's right that's right and also the mindset right 2023 seize it go seize it yeah 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 nice 
You did a little bit of traveling too, right, Liz? I did. I did. I went to Washington, D.C. with my family. Um, It was the first family sightseeing trip we have taken ever. That's not true. With with all four of us. We did like a very brief one with my older kid when he was a baby, more or less. Um, So I didn't know how it was going to go. Like I knew that the kids were excited and I knew that like they're at an age now where they're independent enough to get around. How old are they? They're uh, seven and four, almost five. Seven and four. Okay. Yeah. So we traveled with, with them last summer and I was like, oh, this is actually like great. Like this, it's super fun. It's getting fun to do this. And I, so I had like high hopes cautiously high hopes for uh-huh. how the spring break trip would go uh-huh. and it was it like bursts all of our expectations it was so much fun to travel with them and like oh. i just it was real it, there's been a few things that have happened in the last few years where i'm like oh these are like transcendent parenting moments last year it was when like riding bikes with my kids uh-huh. i was like oh damn like i did not expect this to be like blissful but it is mm. and like that is totally how i felt sightseeing with them cuz it's like the whole thing where like you get to see them experience all these new things for the first time and like they mm-hmm. were so excited um you know they oh. they're so curious and they've been inside for 3 years so like they just yeah. like were so excited to like ride the subway and like go to museums and even walking everywhere, like they didn't really complain at all. There were no meltdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were armed to the teeth with snacks. That also helps. But like, <laughs> I just, it was, it was wonderful. So I was oh, shocked man. by it. And like, I couldn't figure out why I was so surprised. But then I realized it's because like traveling with babies is the worst. Like, mm-hmm. and paradoxically, the smaller they are, the more shit they need. So mm. when you have a baby and you're traveling, it's a nightmare because you have pack mm-hmm. and plays and now there's blackout tents and diapers and strollers and car seats. You have to bring so much stuff with you and then you have to contend with naps, which means either you have to like keep going back to wherever you're staying to like nap your kid and do nothing while you're in a foreign place or you have to nap while you're on the move, which is cumbersome and not great for the kid or you that you just go without naps in which case there's like an inevitable fall apart at the end of the day right Mm -hmm. but i and i think you know that switch must have flipped during the pandemic when we didn't go anywhere for three years but now i just feel like we've entered this golden age where like they're independent enough where we don't have to like pack our entire home to go anywhere. (laughs) They like want to see and do new things and they want to do this with us, you know? Yeah. So I feel like we have maybe a six or seven year window to where this is going to be like amazing. And then Uh my older kid will like turn 14, put his earbuds in and not take them out for three years. You know, so <laughs> if I'm if I'm mathing it right, I think we have like uh-huh. seven, six or seven years where six like or seven years. Yeah, yeah. Where I think we need to prioritize travel even at great expense. I mean, not nothing crazy, but like I really think we need to prioritize this um, because this window is so short, you know, like six, seven yeah. years is like not that long. And, you know, I'm sure when they're teens, like, we'll still do things and et cetera, et cetera. But, like, it's so 
it's it was so great. It was just like a like a tangibly experiencing how much better it gets when they're not babies anymore. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like I, obviously I'm not a parent, but then I kind of feel like when you're in that whole baby phase, uh-huh. you just feel like it's never going to truly, change, right? truly. You feel like this is your life and right. it's forever, forever right. because yeah. all the days blur together and you're yeah. not sleeping and it's, you know, there's moments of like absolute transcendence. And then a lot of it is just like exhausting and boring and like, uh-huh. terrible right and so yeah. yeah I don't have any nostalgia for the baby days I know some parents really do and that's understandable but like I'm not one of those people and like things yeah. like the week that we had I was like oh it really it just it just gets so much better and on top of that I think DC is a great city to bring your kids it 100 100 percent. like I I don't think we could have picked I mean, by sheer luck, I don't think we could have gotten like a better place to go with our kids for the first time because there's so much to do. There's so much to do for kids. So much of it is free, shockingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a subway system, which was key for these kids. Like we honestly could have just ridden the subway every goddamn day (laughs) and like that they would have been thrilled. The subway stations have escalators, which just was the cherry on top of the whole experience. Wow. Um. And yeah, like it's, there's a lot to do. It's easy to get around without being chaotic. You know what I mean? In the way that I imagine like a London or a New York would be. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was really a dream of a place to start. So yeah. can't wait. Yeah. I got a whole note on the, in my, in my phone, like all the places I want to take them and like what we want to see and God, it's a good, it's a good time. Well, it's it's great to hear that this phase of life, right, like that you're in is like the I, I like this framing of like the golden age of travel. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like I've been thinking a lot about phases of life and what what kind of things that unfolds for people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, we all have like such common experiences around this. Right. Because you know, like not everybody gets married around the same time. Not everybody does get married. Not everybody has kids, but sometimes like, you know, like a lot of people have kids around the same time. And I think with that comes, you know, particular issues and particular kinds of like dynamics. And, and, you know, we all kind of go through these things. A lot of us go through these things kind of around the same time. Mm -hmm. And one thing, one new phase that we're kind of going into, we're like, you know, you just turned 40. I'm, I'm going to turn 40 next year. Um, you know, we're married and, 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 and you have kids, I don't have kids. Um, but for people like you, you have been called, uh, I think Dorothy Miller in 1981 coined this phrase called the sandwich generation. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind the sandwich generation is a lot of your resources, a lot of your bandwidth is going towards, of course, raising your kids, Mm -hmm. but you're now parents are getting to an age where they like, there's a transition happening where, um, it's almost like parenting up or, you know, like the kids, like you, our generation is starting to have to think about them and what their healthcare needs are, mm-hmm. what their emotional needs are, uh, aging parents, right. Dealing with aging parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, like for the sandwich generation, that's, that's a lot, that's a lot to deal with, right? Like yeah. you're, you're raising kids, you're, you're also seeing your parents age and you're kind of 
it's almost like a seesaw and you're it's like you're in the middle of that right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today because i think these issues are starting to come up i'm starting to kind of hear from it from my friends mm-hmm. uh my parents are a little bit on the younger end they're like 63 64 mm-hmm. and i think by comparison to some of my friends who have parents that are in their 70s like I'm hearing and kind of seeing a preview of what that's like, right? Yeah. Um, including including my spouse, whose father is 72, 73 now, mm-hmm. and and kind of going through some some issues that you know uh, are associated with aging, and and some of the questions that are being asked and how to deal with that, right? So mm-hmm. I thought you know it'd be a great topic to talk about because it's not something that we talk about often. True. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the the lens that I want to see it see through the uh, like look at this whole issue around, which is like, why don't we talk about it? Or what are the conversations that we need to be having? Mm-hmm, right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you read this book uh, by Atul Gawande, Being Mortal. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to read it? Uh, I've not read it in its entirety, but I have right. read parts of it. I read it a while ago. And I think I think this uh, the thing that stuck with me um, is, you know, it, the, the book about is about like sort of like his experiences as a doctor. And, and his observations about like um, of uh, geriatric care mm-hmm. and just sort of how, you know, he makes the point that U.S. doctors are like trained to like save lives. Yes. Right. At any cost. At, at any cost. Like literal, save lives. literal any cost. Yes. Yes. Very, very expensive healthcare system because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at any cost, save lives. But he makes a point that that doesn't necessarily like align with what good geriatric care should be sure. right mm-hmm. um you can't save every life and in some cases you're asking the wrong question it's not about how do you save a life but what is what are the goals of this person yeah right mm-hmm. uh at the end of their life and what what matters to them and and honoring that and and knowing like what care looks like at the end of life and he makes a point that we don't know that and we don't have a good language around it because we don't talk about it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't have these conversations for a variety of reasons like stigma, awkwardness. Uh, maybe it's taboo. Maybe it's something that you don't want to think about. Yeah. Right? And then as Asians, you and I, right, I'm sure we can get into this, right? Like there's this whole Asian immigrant dynamic on top of all that where it makes it even harder to have these conversations. Right. So, yeah, with that kind of uh, in mind, like, um, I just kind of wanted to throw it to you to see, you know, um, you know, like maybe we can start by talking a little bit about where our parents are, how we've been thinking about it. Um, you know, have you been having these conversations? But yeah, just like kind of like where where you are with your parents, just kind of set the stage and, and, and yeah, like maybe we can go from there. Yeah. Um, so my parents, like your spouse's parents, are on the older end. Uh, my dad is 76. My mom is 73. Um, they had kids pretty late, especially for their generation. So um, they are aging. And I feel like, especially with my dad, I've seen it. I've seen like a noticeable decline in the last few years. And I think especially in the last year, mm. um, my father broke his arm about a year ago. And I think a lot of decline in older adulthood is precipitated by like breaking a bone, like breaking a hip, breaking a knee. Um, thankfully, his it wasn't that serious for him. Like he's not bedridden. He's like mostly healed at this point. But I feel like that event, it had a huge impact on him, one, physically, because mm-hmm. you just don't heal in the same way when you're that old, right? Like 
his doctor told him that he could expect maybe like 70 to be 70 percent where he was before which is like a c minus that fucking sucks right and Mm -hmm. like that was hard for me to hear as his kid and i can't even imagine how much harder it was for him to hear um but also mentally too i feel like it really um changed the way my father sees himself like he's never been the most active person but he has really adopted this like i'm an old man mentality i think Mm. as a result of like all the time he spent healing from this thing like oh it's been like a year and only now does it feel like he's even remotely close to where he was before so um i i see it happening and it is hard to see because like no one wants to deal with the fact of their parents mortality um because you know they're the people who brought you into this world and the people who love you the most and like um the thought of your parents dying is just devastating right and so yeah it's hard it's it's hard to see it's hard to think about i'm incredibly grateful and lucky that my mom is still in great health and able-bodied and able to like take my dad to like pt three times a week and like do all these things she's like semi-retired at this point so like um she has the flexibility and like you know she's been taking care of him in so many ways for their entire relationship so it's like a role that i think she's pretty used to um but like i'm very cognizant of the fact that like in the next it's not going to be that long you know i think I, i maybe have like 10 years maybe at most before like i am probably the primary person who is responsible for like doctor's appointments Mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, I hope it's longer, you know, my mom, again, my mom's in great shape, but like mm-hmm. things change so quickly, things can mm-hmm. change so quickly at that age. And so, um, and I, I, currently I am the one of my two siblings who lives here, you know, and my brother and yeah. I have talked about this a lot. He eventually hopes to move back to Michigan and he would hope he would be closer with my parents geographically. So like, hopefully this is like a responsibility that we can share in the future. But, mm-hmm. um, currently I am the only one here and I don't live close. I live like a solid hour from my parents. And so, um, I can't remember if we've touched on this before, but like, I feel a lot of pressure to like, you know, I've spent the last decade pretty much, um, focusing on raising my kids and then mm-hmm. within the next 10 years I think raising or taking care of my parents will become a big part of my life in addition to also taking care of my kids and so I feel a lot mm-hmm. of pressure to like make the most of this window of time right now when like um my kids are in school full time and my parents are still healthy enough to take care of each other to like do yeah. something with my life you know yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, that was a very long and windy answer, but that is how I think about this right now. Right. right. So. And, you know, in, in some sense, like, as you said, you, you have a kind of window right now, which is, you know, like, I mean, there's so many people, some people might, who might even be listening where it's all happening at the same time, like right now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you can imagine like how much of a stressor that is for a marriage, for, mm-hmm. for an individual, you know, and you imagine like, single kid like single child homes where yes so much of that burden falls on a single child yeah. and it, it kind of informs. i feel like it kind of informs my own 
like thinking about if I were to have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already kind of late for I'm like I'm I would be an older parent, mm-hmm. right? If I decide to do it within the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I've I find that I'm at this age so much more appreciative of my parents for having me when they were younger. Mm. Like it's actually a gift to me yes. in a way that I didn't I never really recognized until I saw other, you know, friends that were dealing with this at a much younger age, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because the the risk of that whole sandwich generation becoming real definitely happens when your parents are on the older side, yes, right? Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. I also resonate so much with that too because um, my mother-in-law is an only child and she has said that the only time that she really wished she had a sibling was when she was caring for her parents at the end of their lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's so much and you have to yeah. make so many decisions and like it was all on her, you know? And so yeah. I think that like it's playing a very long game, right? But I think that I, I you know, it, it also played into our decision into to having mm-hmm. more than one child, mm-hmm. like having someone to shoulder the burden of caring for us at the end of it all. Yeah. So, so by con, like, I think that, even though I don't have uh, parents who are on the older, they're 63, 64. And, and by all, like by all intents and purposes, I feel like they're like in their young fifties actually mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. physically, mentally. And, and, and so it's not something that's really entered my field of vision just yet, but mm-hmm. I did, I, I was raised by my grandmother. So she mm-hmm. lived in our house since I was a baby and then all throughout my life. And so I think from a young age, I definitely always had an elder around mm-hmm. and then I I saw the decline and I saw her death, right? So mm-hmm. I, I went all the way through and it was like a death. It hit me like a death of a parent. Of course. It was like somebody. And so I do feel like I've gone through it at least once, but mm. the, the most striking image that I had, because my mom was the primary caregiver, uh, her Two, two of her siblings were in Korea and then one sibling was in New York. Mm-hmm. And so our grandmother lived with us. And so when, so my grandmother died of a stroke. So she had a, she had an aneurysm mm. uh, and then we took her to the hospital and then she was essentially gone. But there was a period where of, a, of a few, like, I would say four or five days where she was just kind of bedridden mm. and we were just waiting for her to pass. Wow. And in the initial stage, it was just my mom again, making, you know, it's like we get to the hospital and it's like all these major critical decisions that had to be made mm. right then and there. Like, are we doing life support? Mm-hmm. Are we doing, are we giving morphine? Cause if it's morphine, it's like, it's like signaling the end. Like, mm. what do you wait for? What's the insurance? Like, you know, like, and I'm not sure insurance was any part of it, but like, I'm sure there was, you know, thinking about funeral arrangements and thinking about who do I need to call yeah. and like who needs to be here and managing church people that were coming through and it was like all on her. Mm. It was almost like she was a single child at that moment. Wow. But then once the word went out to her two siblings in Korea and then in New York, they all you know quickly mobilized, got on flights. And I remember the moment that they all arrived mm. and it was the four of them in the hospital room. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I felt like it was okay. Because mm. four felt really like stable. Yes, you know what I mean? yes, like a table. Four legs. Yes, like a table. That's a good way of putting it. Like it felt really full in that room. It felt like life coming into a room that was like kind of lonely and empty, right? Mm. And that's when I realized that like, you know, like I'm really thankful that I have a sibling for those kinds of things, but I almost felt like, man, I wish I had four, right? I wish I had four people to kind of like 
like triangulate this with because that's like a pretty major it almost felt like the grief was dispersed and then it felt like it was kind of like dispersed yeah. across the floor and it felt really it felt really good when they all came mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. i definitely had that experience right like feeling that so you mentioned that you're already having these conversations with your brother mm-hmm. and i imagine that's like a major thing, right? I feel like a lot of siblings struggle with that. So can you talk a little bit about like what those conversations are like? Are you guys on the same page or how do you approach I, that? I mean, I can't say that we have talked about it like instant- extensively or intentionally, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. it comes up now in conversation, like in passing in a way. And yeah. I think a really helpful thing is that like my brother and I have, are very close and we have a very good relationship and he also plans to be like geograph geographically close hopefully when the end is here right so yeah. um you know it comes up more and more now and and it came up it's it it all started as as uh passing jokes because my parents are like hoarders in the in the way that immigrants are uh-huh. and you know my parents uh have like, you know, my my parents like remodeled their house and my mom started like throwing some stuff away, which like freaked my dad out. But my mom was like, either we throw it out now or the kids throw it out when we die. Right. And so and my, you know, my parent, my brother and I, like whenever we're at my parents' house and we go into the basement, we're just like, sweet Jesus, like one day we're going to have to deal with this. So if we're smart. Um, yeah. We should actually every time we're there throw away one or two things, so it's like a little yeah. bit less insane when it actually when the yeah. time comes. So you know, I don't feel like we've talked explicitly about like who is going to do what because like I mean, who knows where my brother's even going to live at this point, right. right? But like I just I feel like stuff like that has come up. Stuff about like what are we going to you know these are the things we're going to need to do to like get out of my parents' timeshare when that happened. Like my my spouse watched a John Oliver clip about predatory timeshares and he was like, okay, I took some notes. Here are the things you're going to have to do when your parents die so we're not stuck with this. And like, it's just like, it's that's the kind of stuff that comes up now, yeah. you know? And so I, I'm grateful it's come up this way and it's not just been like a, there hasn't been some tr- sudden tragedy that, ha- that has like forced us into these conversations, but like the, it's like slowly inched its way into our life, into our conversation. So I think it's like paving the way for us to eventually have some like bigger conversations about what this looks like when the time comes, you know, when the time comes. And that's, the, that's the thing. I think, uh, I think I also got this from the Tul Gawande book. Right. So it's like, it's like two things are going on. Number one is, we are like as humans, human psychology is that this is something that we don't want to think about. Mm-hmm. And so we actively don't, right? It's too big. It's too sad. It's too traumatic. And so we find ways to avoid thinking about it or talking about it or because when you do, it all of a sudden becomes real, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's one thing that's going on. And then the second thing that's going on is that when the time comes and you haven't had these conversations, all of a sudden you have to make all these like snap decisions that carry a lot of like made, these are major decisions, right? Like, you know, and, and it's all happening at once, right? It's like, what do you do with the finances? What do you do with like 
the assets? What do you do with like, you know, like end of life care? Mm-hmm. Like who, who is in the position to make those decisions? Like, like, do you have a system in place to make those decisions? You know what I mean? Like all of these things happen and like nothing is ready. Mm-hmm. And so um, like he was talking about these things kind of happening all at once. Right. So like, what are the conversations do you think that you would like to have like in preparation that would make you feel better prepared that would make you feel more, I guess, ready in case something were to happen? That's a really good question. Like, I don't even know. I feel like, you know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. like, you just don't know when it's going to happen. And when you have, you know, at least like in my brother's case, for example, like his life is still in flux. Like he doesn't know where he's going to be long term. I just feel like it's really hard to make plans when you just, there's so many moving pieces. One thing I think that's hugely helpful is that my parents do have a trust set up. Like they have done the work that they need to do for which I am Mm. immensely grateful because I have seen, you know, I've heard all the horror stories about like parents who don't have wills in place and all of the labor and time and fighting and lawyers and court, you know what I mean? Like all of the nightmare scenarios that can happen from that. So I feel really grateful that like my parents have like, they worked that out like 10 years ago. Thank God. Um, Mm -hmm. They told me where to find the binder that the extent of my conversation with my mom about it was like, she told me where the binder is. Um, Who, Who initiated this discussion? Was it your mom? Yeah. My mom was like, we worked this out. Here's the binder. And it was like, honest, like I was still in grad school, I think at the time. So like I was not ready to have this conversation and my parents were 10 yeah. years younger. So it was like, it did, it seemed very far away. But I, I think this conversation is reminding me that like the circumstances are different now, you know, like it, they are yeah. more in decline now. And so like, um, it, it would be helpful maybe to review and maybe just like talk through some of it and like nobody wants to do it, but yeah. At least these questions have been answered. I could see this being infinitely harder if yeah. they didn't have a will, which I have some friends whose parents don't have a will and the labor they are expending to try to like get their parents to do it, but their parents don't want to do it. You know, just it's it just seems exhausting. So mm-hmm. um, I feel really glad that they have already done that work. So even if we're not talking about it directly, like there's still, there's a sole foundation to go from, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, do your parents have a will? Have they thought about any of this? Have you talked about it with them? What does it look like for you? After reading the book, the being mortal book, I, I took it to heart and I try to start initiating these conversations. And I think there's this kind of strange Asian immigrant kind of like smokescreen going up, Mm -hmm. which is like, sort of like, oh, I don't want to burden you with this stuff right now. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I think for my parents, essentially, like, I think my dad, like where my parents are essentially is like, my dad has had a few friends who are his age that have died unexpectedly Mm -hmm. in the last like five years. And they were healthy, they were fine, and then they were gone. And so Mm. they like one, one was like a, 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 fast moving cancer, but, but enough time where they knew he was going to die, but he had like conversations with my dad a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and like one of the themes that came out was like, like that, this guy made a lot of money over his life, but he was like, I didn't spend the dime of it. Right. Like he, he, of course he spent money on it, but like, he didn't really like enjoy his life. Like Mm. he made all this money. He didn't get to enjoy any of it. Mm. He had a lot of broken relationships with his wife, with his kids, and he felt like he had nothing to show for it. And he like, what was the point of all that? Yeah. It's kind of like 
the t- main takeaway. And I feel like that really hit my dad hard wow. to the point where now my dad is like, I'm going to enjoy my life right mm-hmm. now. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to play golf when I want to play golf. I'm going to, within reason, eat what I want to eat. Good for him. Um, good for him. But also, they're not retired yet. <laughs> that's the thing like my mom and my dad are in business together they mm-hmm. like run a restaurant and this is like my mom recognizes on one hand it's good it's a good mentality and something that she needs to adopt a bit more herself but on the other hand it's like you got a business to run still right like this is not time to check out yet like yeah. she's kind of like running this on <laughs> her own so it's like it's caused a little bit of tension but in the overall i am happy to see him like trying to enjoy life right yeah but when I bring this st- kind of stuff up in that context, it's a little bit like, I don't know if it's a cultural barrier or a language barrier, but I can't seem to get straight answers, mm-hmm. right? So one thing I'm curious about is they both run this restaurant, right? Yeah. And they need to be there to make payroll and you know pay the employees and they need to run that business, right? Yeah. So let's say they were driving together in a car and God forbid something were to happen to them. What happens with all that? Yeah. Like what? Like who does payroll? Who steps in? Who does anything? Because there's no backstopping them. There's nobody there. I'm out, out in California. We've never been part of that business. And so one of my key questions is like, what do we do with the restaurant? Like what mm-hmm. are we, what, what are the things, what's the next step here? Yeah. And it seems that every time I ask that question, there's no, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what the thing is. They're like, oh yeah, like, Someone will, someone from IHOP will maybe say something or do something. And I'm like, what? Like, who? Like, why do I, do I have that person's info? Like, what, what are the steps here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there is a life insurance policy that they've uh, opened maybe 10 years ago. And, you know, we're, we're beneficiaries of that, I guess. Um, like, other than that, like, yeah, I think there is a will. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, a key question, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just a lot of questions. And every time I go to California, I'm like, hey, I'm going to have a list of questions. And um, this is the trip where I'm going to get these things answered, mm-hmm. right? And one thing or leads to another, like I, either I'm working, running out of time, we don't get these questions answered. Mm-hmm. And I and I need to have these conversations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And my sibling and I are different in this sense. Like we're, we're close in some ways, but we don't talk about these things. Mm-hmm. It's partly because my parents maybe are on the younger side or whatever, but also it's the, I think the nature of our relationship is we don't know how to talk about these like important things like, Hey, let's sit down and like, let's chat. Because I think, I think in a way, like, it's like, that's not the issue that my sibling is dealing with in vis-a-vis my parents. Like they're very much still parents and like they're, she's dealing with more like an active parent situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a future parent situation. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of hard to have the future parent is now declining and we need, how do we manage that conversation when there's so much active parent issues yeah. going on right now? Yeah. Does that make totally, sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of um, anxiety inducing because it's like it, it's simultaneously not the right time to talk about it, but at the same time, Anything can happen tomorrow. So it's like this any time is the right time to have this conversation. Oh, man, that is so much. That is so (laughs) much. And it's so hard, too, because like it sounds like if they cannot give you a straight answer on something. I mean, okay, so the being 
in business together adds a whole nother layer of complication. And the fact that they cannot give you a clear answer on what happens to the restaurant, I think suggests that there is no answer. And so it also seems like there is work that is not finished on their part. And like, what can you do in that situation? Right? Like you can encourage them to finish it, but at the end of the day, like you only have so much power to uh, know the plan when there is no plan so far. I also, I also get, I think that's right. I I get the sense that they don't want me to look at the quote unquote books. Mm. I get a sense that it's like, maybe have they made the best decision? And it's like, you know, like it's like parents don't necessarily want to show their kids that they're human, Mm -hmm. I guess. Right. And so, like, I know from just inference that they haven't really fully set up their retirement yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they're 64, and it's like, that should have been taken care of. But I'm curious as to see why that hasn't been. And in order to do that, I'd have to see the books. Yeah. And do they really want to show me the books? Probably not, right? And so I think there's a little bit of that going on. And that's why I kind of call us this a whole Asian immigrant thing, which is like, they don't want me to worry about them. And so they don't communicate these things with me, mm-hmm. which makes me worry even more, mm-hmm. ironically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I have to learn how to have these conversations through that, mm-hmm. right? We, 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 especially as Asian Americans and like our parents being Asian, we have to learn how to cope with that, that there are these layers of these things. It's not easy to have these conversations in the first place. But then on top of that, there's probably these dynamics where it's like, you know, parental sort of like, oh, like, I don't want you to worry about me. So I'm going to hide in the forest and, yeah. and you know, die alone yeah. without you worry about me kind of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we have to find the way to talk about these things because I think it's good. Like, I want to be the one when the thing happens that... I'm okay with taking charge and I'm okay with um, making key decisions. It's hard, but, but I, I want to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like you said about the basement thing, I think that is exactly my mentality, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to start throwing things out mm-hmm. because I know that this has to happen at some point. Yeah. So let me make my life easier. Mm-hmm. I know my parents want to make my life easier. Yeah. Let me start throwing things this out now. Yeah. And maybe that's the way it has to be framed exactly as you just yeah. put it. Like this will be a huge gift to me if you can tell me what you want. Yeah. Because otherwise when I am in my sharpest moments of grief, I am going to have to figure out what to do with the restaurant. You know what I mean? Stuff yeah. like that. Like I think because you're totally right. Like the last thing they want to do is burden us because they don't want to burden anyone, especially not their children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that is like a huge motivation for like avoiding these conversations. But the reality is that avoiding the conversation only means that when it actually happens, you are going to be unprepared and it's going to be terrible and stressful for you. Right. So Mm -hmm. I really think that like reframing this as like, it will be a gift to future me, your future grieving son, if we can talk about this now. So we can start like, yeah. yeah. When you think about your Mm in-laws and the parents on that side, Mm -hmm. and then um, your spouse is also 
either dealing with it now or going to be dealing with it as well. Yeah. Do you see it like the same way? Like, do you see the same set of issues or do you, do you see yourself as more of a support role in that? Like how, how is it different? How is it the same? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, um, my in-laws lost three of their parents in 18 months like the same window of time when like my spouse and I got married, one of their children graduated from high school, one of them graduated from college. They lost three parents like right in the row, all in the same 18 month window. So, and they, one set of parents was incredibly prepared, had a trust set up. It was all so clear. And the other one did not. Mm -hmm. And I think the difference in their experiences was so stark that it really motivated them to get their house in order. So mm. within a year, they had established a trust. On our next family vacation that year, there was a meeting after dinner. We all sat around a table. They walked through the whole thing with us. I mean, I think, you know, um, they were so deeply informed by their the experience they had just gone through. And I think it's just, I don't know. They're like, it, it, not to like reduce everyone to stereotypes, but like they're a white family that can like talk about this. You know what I mean? Like it was not mm -hmm. that it didn't feel weird. It just felt mm -hmm. like, I mean, maybe because the context of the conversation was so obvious, but it was very clear. Like we want to make this as easy as possible for you. And mm -hmm. they outlined like who's getting what, you know what I mean? Like all of their money is left specifically to their children, not to the spouses in case, you know what? Stuff like that. Like it was, it was, it, I just really appreciated the forthrightness with which we had this mm -hmm. conversation. So all that to say that I feel like it's not going to be a giant legal mess, which is huge. Um, my spouse gets along well with his siblings. I get along well with his siblings. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, we will all be a good team when the time comes. The team is the ready. team is the team is at least um, on the same team, which is huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. What I appreciate about them is that they have been talking for years about like building some kind of like intentional community with their friends where they like literally like just build some like small senior accessible houses like all in the same common space because none of them have children that live in the area for the same reasons that mm -hmm. we don't live in the area. And just so that like as people start to pass, like they're not alone and they're still in community. So like yeah. I feel so much gratitude for them for I mean, it has not worked out yet, but the fact that they're thinking like this, I think is like a really yeah. hopeful thing for me. My mother-in-law is a nurse who read Being Mortal and was very moved and shaped by it. So like, I just, mm. I see so much of that in the, in the logic. But again, like, you know, is, is, is a friend going to like take them to the hospital or like take them to PT every day? Is a friend going to like sit with them in the hospital for like weeks or months at a time? You know, these are the, these are the things like, I'm really glad they're thinking about community. I'm glad they have wonderful friends. Um, but it's not the same as having one of your kids, like a, a family member take care of you. And like, so what does that mean? But again, just hearing about this, it's like, it, like I, I would feel appreciative if, if those were my in-laws, right? Like that they were thinking about this and preparing, like, it's like a, it's such a huge gift it feels mm -hmm. like right that they that they are so intentional about yeah. it right that it's you know nobody can be prepared right nobody's ready for that kind of thing but the fact that like you know 
there's foresight enough to kind of like make sure that their you know community needs especially are taken care of because like if i found that my mom or my dad was like you know like let's say one of them goes and like the other one is just kind of like living in an empty house mm-hmm. with no community nobody around them mm-hmm. that's like very distressing to me right and i'm gonna have to you know think about upending my whole life to make sure that they're not alone you know what i mean so it's like the thought that the, the thought that they are kind of like preparing for that and like thinking about those things is actually a huge like um that's very there it's very powerful mm, yeah very totally people, yeah. totally and like you know it didn't change anything like we just like went after the conversation like we just like went back and mm-hmm. you know it's not like the specter of death has loomed over our, our relationship for the last 10 years it's like we talked about yeah. it we're ready yeah. you know yeah it's huge yes um that is a heavy topic. It is a heavy topic. So I think we should just end the note on probably your favorite thing in the world, yes. which is Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your happy place. It is. It is. Yeah. There are people who shop at Trader Joe's, and then there are people in the cult of Trader Joe's, and I am one of the latter. <laughs> so on that spectrum, I am somebody who occasionally pops in there when I have the chance to because I'm in the city and there are no you know, super accessible Trader Joe's. So when I do get to go to one, Mm. it's a real treat. Mm. Mm. But my Trader Joe's knowledge is a little on the novice side. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about top five Trader Joe's items. Yes. This was a joy to put together and also extremely difficult. I have several honorable, many honorable mentions that I will mention if we have time, but where, whereas on whereas on my side, I struggled to fill out five oh because I don't I don't know the products that well. Yeah. I don't know the products that yeah. well. Like the three that I have, the top three are like I know those three. Mm-hmm. The other ones, I'm like I had to look at Trader Joe's menu or like uh, the aisles. <laughs> I'd be like, is this good? Have I tried this? So truly, truly uh, um, novice in the master here. On this, oh, but. that's very generous. Um, I, I'll, I'll get us started because I think your list should really just cap things off. All right, here we go. My number five, I've only had this once and it was pretty, really good. It was really, really good. And every time I pass it, I'm tempted to get it is the white cheddar puffs. Mm, okay. Yes. By the way, all mine is food. Oh yeah. 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 Appropriately. I don't really know about the other non-food items. Okay. So all food. Um, Yeah. Just very snacky. White cheddar. I grew up on like white cheddar Cheez-Its. It's oh, my all-time favorite, favorite. So bad for you, I'm sure. But that was, you know, like when I was a kid, I had like fingers that were just white. Just like lick it off. So um, this is nostalgic for me. White cheddar puffs. Mm-hmm. Doesn't taste as unhealthy as those Cheez-Its. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it tastes like it's like 90% air. Yeah, yeah. And air is, air is not bad for mm-hmm. you. Exactly, exactly. Number four. Peanut butter granola. Ooh, tell me about this. So peanut butter is, you know, I, I'm not a big like peanut butter person. I almost always enjoy peanut butter though, mm. but I just never have it in, it never occurs to me to eat peanut yeah, butter. Yeah, it's a very, I have kids food. Like who, what adult, unless you're eating protein shakes, like what adult keeps it in their house? Um. Yeah, so it's not my, you know, go-to thing, and neither is granola, Mm -hmm. but you combine the two, and it makes for a very intriguing product. Peanut butter protein granola. 
That's the product. Love that. At Trader Joe's. Um, number three is frozen lasagna. Mmm, excellent. I, I just feel like for me as a novice, the frozen food section at Trader Joe's is like the the beating heart, I feel like. It is truly where they shine. Yeah. The frozen foods, especially if you have an air fryer. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause it's like it's like the thing that you don't want to eat it every day, but in a pinch, you open the fridge and you're like, oh no, I don't know what to make for dinner. Mm-hmm. These frozen guys are there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, for a long time, I think I resisted, especially coming from Europe. Like Europe has a much less tradition of like frozen foods. It's like yeah. they, they try to every meal they try to shop for and then cook. So I try to bring that back, that ethos back to the States. You know, like I lived in DC and I lived right next to Whole Foods. So I'm like, you know, I should as much as possible cook fresh, try not to freeze, mm-hmm. right? And when I got into a relationship and now I'm thinking about like what to eat with another person, this became trickier, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized that these frozen things are not the thing you should be eating every day, but it, it's like that emergency one when you, you when you like slip in your rhythm, like you you, you don't have a meal prepared for that day. Mm-hmm. These things will come in, and a frozen lasagna have saved the day at least a handful of times for me. Mm-hmm. Number two is a chimichurri sauce. Mm. Yes, I love a good chimichurri. Um, it's usually when you have like leftover herbs that you don't know what to do with and but you know there's a significant amount of chopping and all you know you gotta do all this and you gotta put some things in it well it's like a whole other process but when you have a chimichurri sauce in your fridge any kind of protein you could just slap that on fish slap it on meat chicken Mm -hmm. it elevates everything yes number one it's in the hall of fame apparently there is a hall of fame for the trader joe's it's the frozen orange chicken yes mandarin orange chicken Mandarin orange chicken Uh which is a slight step down from the panda express orange chicken but it's there and not much of it not a huge not much like a very surprisingly small step down from the panda express real deal Mm -hmm. um I was at a Trader Joe's once and I was in the frozen food section and there was a guy standing next to me and, and and he was there first. So he was like kind of staring at this item and I went in and I see that he's staring at the, the uh, it's like the teriyaki frozen chicken uh-huh. and he's staring at it and I'm staring at it and I'm kind of looking around and he's kind of looking around and I don't see, I don't see the orange chicken. But I see this teriyaki chicken and I'm like, is my memory faulty here? Was this always the the manager? Because I feel like the orange chicken should be here. Mm -hmm. Like I've looked all around the aisle and this is the chicken section and all I see is teriyaki chicken. Mm -hmm. And I could see that this guy was thinking the same thing. And a Trader Joe's guy walks by and is like, are you looking for the Mandarin orange Mm -hmm. chicken? Both of us turn around and we're like, yes. Uh And he's like, that's at the front of the aisle. It's in the featured section, the featured area, mm. right? So it's like, you know, at the top of the aisle, there's like the most popular items or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. But at the same time, I almost, and this guy almost bought this teriyaki chicken, you know, thinking that they were out of the orange chicken. This is, I, I think they have to redo the design of this whole thing. So both of us relieved, go over there. And yes, there's a whole freezer full, rich of orange Mandarin chicken. It's clear that we're not the only ones that think that this is the go-to item. 
both of us gave us each other a fist bump. It was a really funny New York moment. I mean, and a beautiful Trader Joe's moment. Um, I love this moment, but also if you're going to put something in the end cap, you also have to keep some in the original place. You do. You have to have it in both exactly places. Exactly the reason you just described, because people yeah. will panic and assume you don't have it. And like lots of people don't look at the end caps. Yeah. And then you end up with teriyaki exactly. chicken, which is, which, I'm sure, fine. I mean, but... Yeah, but it's not it's not Mandarin Orange Chicken, which is right. in the Hall of Fame because I am a sucker who listens to the Trader Joe's official <laughs> podcast, which is nothing more than an advertisement for products, which is fine with me because I'm here for those products. But every year they have Consumer Choice Awards and Mandarin Orange Chicken won its category so many times in a row that they just they had to retire, they, they had to retire it. They retired that and <laughs> peanut butter, dark chocolate peanut butter cups. And there was one more thing that I'm forgetting. But basically, they they are they can no longer compete. They have to give other items a chance to a chance a chance. So. There you yeah. go. It's number one for a reason. It is number one for a reason. And it hopefully means that it will never be discontinued. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Delightful list, my friend. Yes, yes. It's a cute list. It's a cute list. But let's 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 get to the real list here. Oh, that's very generous of you. Okay. So this was incredibly hard for me because Trader Joe's is like my main place that I shop for groceries. So uh-huh. um, this list does not capture even a fraction of the things that I get on a weekly basis. Um, but it is the thing, these are the things that like I, I either enjoy the most or have gotten the most benefit from. So number five is not a food item. It is their oatmeal and honey soap. So, um, in recent years I have developed eczema in times of intense stress. Um, and during those times, like it's just really hard to find soap because normal soaps usually irritate the eczema, make it worse. Um, and in the most recent bout, I was really struggling to find something that worked. And then I saw this and I was like, sounds natural. So I tried it and it was fucking miraculous. I have not had eczema since. Um, and it is cheaper than the price of like, say like a dove or a dial, like sensitive fragrance free, blah, blah, blah. So amazing soap great price has truly wow. changed my quality of life this is wait so this is bar soap bar right? soap yeah bar soap yeah. okay i got to get into this bar soap game because i feel like a lot of people i've been having a lot of not i've been overhearing conversations about the virtues of bar soap are you a body wash person i am a body oh, wash person of, I, for some yeah. reason i feel like i knew this but i'm also a little bit surprised by it hmm. okay i can't explain any of that but um <laughs> I guess because you don't meet a lot of. That's not true. Rob, my my spouse is also a body wash person. Yeah, no, I have no answers. No answers. <laughs> I mean, it is less packaging, uh-huh. so that could be one of the virtues. That's good. But- yeah, but but here's the thing. I know this sounds silly, but I never learned until like literally a month ago how to lather with bar soap. Oh, that you, that you could actually use like a, one of those like towels or i mean not towels like the body rub things to lather oh, it up interesting. and then and then use that the alufa or whatever interesting that i have never done i'm just like that's so, so that's new right like someone yeah like i okay so when i go travel and i'm at hotels and they only have bars of soap so i've always just used it in my hand and just like lathered it directly on the skin 
But I feel like body soap with an loofah gives you that like really rich lather. Uh-huh. But then someone told me then you can take the bar of soap and then lath- like lather using the loofah or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then put the bar of soap away and then use the loofah. And it worked. I, I tried it. And I'm like, this is a completely different experience for me. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, my number four is their frozen chicken tikka masala. It is so good. I don't know who their Indian food distributor is. Yeah. But, and bear in mind, I am not Indian, but it is like their Indian food hits. It is yeah. so good. The chicken tikka masala is better than what I've had in some restaurants. <laughs> and it is just such a reliable throw it in the freezer, like yeah. random day. I don't know what I'm going to eat for lunch. Perfect lunch. Yeah. Like it is great. I have been living on this stuff since grad school and it is um it's it's uh wholly reliable so um i also really like their palak paneer and yes. also they used to have a korma fish curry that was also excellent but they discontinued so yeah but seriously who is there who like who is their indian like point person i don't because know these are all amazing. they're incredible yeah. yeah they have a yeah. really good distributor yeah uh, my number three is also not a food item. It is the mango tangerine candle. So mm. do not sleep on the candles at Trader Joe's. This candle is a knockoff of the Capri Blue Volcano candle from Anthropology, which is like the smell that hits you the moment you get into an Anthropology. And the comparable yeah. size at Anthro is $16. Uh, Trader uh-huh. Joe's is $3.99. So, uh, you've mentioned this candle before for another... For another top five. I'm sure I have. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. You're absolutely right. I have. But it's so good that it's worth repeating. Um, yes. It is amazing. So it's a seasonal thing every spring. I always stock up a little bit when when they have, when they're available. Because like just the impact that this scent has on my mood and my productivity, like the my quality of life, again, is like better because of this candle. So uh, and actually, I think all of their seasonal candles are generally very good. But this mango tangerine one is great, and the price cannot be beaten. My number two is the dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Have you ever had these? I've not had it, okay. but it's one of the retired it ones. It is right? one of the Hall of Fame items, yes. These, they have truly found the platonic form of the peanut butter cup. Like, once you eat one of these, you can never go back. Like, Reese's truly tastes like shit because number one, dark chocolate, dark chocolate over milk chocolate any day of the week. And also the quality of the chocolate so much higher. The ratio of chocolate to peanut butter is perfect. And the size is also perfect. So like they've nailed it on every front. We always have a box of these at home. And my spouse always has a box of them at work as is like little like midday post-lunch treat. Um, they're excellent. And I'm glad they're Hall of Fame items because that means that they will never be discontinued. <laughs> Uh, and my number one is a relatively new item of theirs that wow. won their best snack food now that whoa, whoa, whoa. now that dark uh-huh. chocolate peanut butter cups have been um, retired. They are the chili lime rolled corn tortilla chips. So I once heard on a different podcast that Trader <laughs> Joe's is really good at getting people who don't who think they don't eat snack food to eat snack food. And that is a hundred percent true. Like I would, that's really good. It's that's a great insight. It, it is right. Like I am not a chip person, but these rolled corn tortilla chips are fucking incredible. Like it is like 
they're intensely spiced and flavored. They're, I think they're kind of like their response to the hot Cheeto or like the hot Takis. I'm not exactly sure. I've never eaten one, but like they're like the elevated grown up version of that. And they are so good. My spouse and I always have three bags in our basement because they're so popular that they run out. They're only in stock like once every like two to three weeks. <laughs> so um, like and every time we open the bag, we just end up finishing the bag. Right. So the wow. other day, like, you know, we we weigh them out. My spouse is diabetic. So like the food scales always out. It's counting the carbs. Um, and I realized I'm like, as I'm pouring out my third serving, I look at him and I'm like, how many servings has you have you had? And he looked at me and he said, six. And I was like, ah, okay, this makes me feel better about the fact that I'm on three. And the fact that this bag is now empty means that they're um they're the label that says that there's nine servings per bag is accurate, but also mm-hmm. a total lie because one bag is that's a one that's a one sitting situation. So <laughs> Um, they're so good, Chris. Like if you happen to be in a Trader Joe's when those are, you should, you need to get some, even if you claim to not be a snack person, you should get some. Isn't it, isn't it exciting that I've never had that first bite? I'm just so excited for you. I'm so excited for you that you get to have this experience. So, yes. Okay. All that said, I also have five honorable mentions that I want to mention real quick. Um, (laughs) there's scallion pancakes, which is like their pajun. Excellent. Uh especially if you have an air fryer, like their frozen section is so good, but their frozen apps, especially if you have an air Uh fryer, they crisp up so well. Um, So yeah, I'm not Korean, but many of my Korean friends also say the scallion pancakes are excellent. Um, The plantain chips are their best selling snack for a reason. They're so good and they make you feel like you're not eating chips because they're made of plantains. The tomato feta soup in the refrigerated section is excellent. Garlic spread dip is their version of tomb. So good. I'm so glad I have a grocery store where we can just buy it. <laughs> and then their daily facial sunscreen is like their super goop unseen sunscreen knockoff, which is my brand. I was yeah. really excited about it because it's a quarter of the price and very comparable. Yeah. But having worn yeah. it a lot, I have to say that the super group is, is better. Is it four yeah. times better? I'm not convinced, but like it yeah. is still, but it's your face. It it's is your, your face. face. That's just, hey, yeah. Chris, you understand me. It is my face. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so I yeah. keep the Trader Joe's version in my purse for emergencies, but like, yeah, really I'm, I'm good usage. Good thank usage. You, thank you. I'm still, yes, I'm still yes. spending on the good stuff. Super, super. Okay. Good. And right. also five RIP because like Trader Joe's, they're unique in that every product on their shelves has to pay for itself, unlike other stores where like they take hits on some products that, to, you know what I mean? Because like other products yeah. make up for them and they constantly have to be moving things in and out to make room for new products. So they discontinue things all the time, um, some of which are your favorite things, right? Okay, so <laughs> RIP to the Korma Fish Curry that I mentioned earlier, the grilled eggplant wrap, which was one of my favorite lunches, um, the vanilla fudge chip ice cream was... L- Honestly, like the best store-bought ice cream I'd ever eaten. The Red Refresh Herbal Tea was so delicious, uh, and they had it for years and then suddenly got rid of it last year. And the biggest loss, their honey mustard pretzel bits. Oh, my God. You know those like Snyder's of Hanover honey mustard pretzel bits? Yes. They had their own version. Dynamite. So good. Somehow better than the Snyder's of Hanover. Um, And then they only had them for like a year. Which is like honestly maybe just as well for me because um, I ate so many of them, but like it was a real loss for us when they got rid of them. That was hilarious. That is 
I've never seen five honorable mentions of your top five. And also five RIP. So thank you for letting me squeeze in three top fives into this (laughs) top five. Uh, Off to Trader Joe's. Truly, 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 truly. Yes. All right, my friend. Well, that was super fun. And that was also our season finale. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a good way to end it on a serious topic and a a dynamite top five. Um, We are going to take a break, but we'll be back. Um, Happy season three, Liz. Happy season three. Um, We observed before we started recording that season three actually started in October 2021. (laughs) So this season has been a year and a half because we kind of became a monthly podcast and then like an every other monthly podcast because of how insane our lives have been. Um, but we'll take a little break and then we'll be back in the saddle at some point with more top five. Oh my gosh. With more top fives. But I just have to say, I have really loved this season, especially I feel like the last few episodes have just been like, I feel like we are just getting closer and closer to like the, like where we live. You know what I mean? Yes. Like yes. really in the thick of it. So I just have so appreciated having these conversations with you. And also all the, all the conversations that they've spurred offline with other people who have listened. So thank you yeah. all so much for listening and for like sharing your insights and thoughts with us. Like it's been such a gift. So we just really appreciate you being part of these conversations too. 100%. So we really appreciate everybody who listens, who engages us uh, with, with these topics. Um, yeah. Can't wait to uh, come back and, and talk some more. Agreed. Agreed. This was fun. This was fun. We'll see you next season. Bye.